the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we are talking one of the most controversial cartoons uh, in you know the past few decades, uh, at least in the fact that it really caused an uproar. We are talking South Park, baby. Uh, we are going to discuss the South Park Bigger, Longer, Uncut film from 1999, and we're going to just talk South Park in general. This is one of my favorite shows, I will straight up, straight up say. Um, I loved this show, particularly in like the early 2000s, so I'd say from like 2000 until probably 2010 even. Like those 10 years, I think, were, were highlights for South Park. But yeah, John, do you want to know why I chose South Park today? Uh, because this was taking the place of something else that we had to cancel. <laughs> yes, well, we did have to push something, but I realized we hadn't done a cartoon movie uh, in a long time. Do you want to guess what our last cartoon movie was? God. Um, was it, all right. Was it a Disney film? It was not a Disney film. Oh, okay. Um, was it? Uh, was it one of those? Was it one of the Bloom ones? It was not no. It was not a Don Bluth. Bluth. There it goes. Not. I. I can't remember. Way back on August sixteenth of two thousand twenty twenty twenty, we did the Transformers movie with Chris Hollister. Oh geez, that was the last cartoon movie we have talked about. Now, of course, with our shows, you know, some cartoons get in there, but we hadn't done a cartoon movie in a long time. And so ultimately, I was kind of looking through our list of cartoon movies, and a lot of them were Disney ones and whatnot. And I was like, you know what? Maybe my favorite cartoon movie of all time is South Park. (laughs) So I want to talk South Park. Dang it. Damn it. We can say damn it. It's South Park. There's a lot of swearing. It's one of the reasons that it's so uh, controversial to people. So, yes. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's a movie. Uh, I've watched plenty of times, and a show I've watched immensely, so I am excited to talk about it. But um, because I would say our aversion to casting children, and this would be nothing mostly but children casted if we did a live-action South Park, but a live-action South Park is ridiculous. I don't want a live-action South Park. Yeah. So we pulled back into the depths, and I picked a film... That was trash. That was utter <laughs> garbage when we watched it. Uh, that you were fairly nostalgic for, and yeah. fair enough. Yeah, and I actually I think it might be the lowest rated on uh, Rotten Tomatoes that we've ever watched. I, I think I believe it is. Yes, and so I was like, you know what? There is still hope for this franchise, and there is uh, a chance because actually I saw in doing my research. It was announced they are going to be doing a new Supergirl movie, I think, coming out in 2023. And so I was like, you know what? They might have already cast the Supergirl. I think they did. Um, And we can talk about it when we do the casting. But I think, John, we can even take the same characters from that god-awful trash 1984 (laughs) film, and we can make something good with it. So I suggested we do a, uh, a recasting of Supergirl. If we really wanted to make it better, we should have also recast the writers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, then we probably wouldn't have had like a lot of these same characters. So probably. some of them are pretty awful. But anyway. In fact, only uh, yeah. only the one character might have stayed. 
Yeah, only Supergirl, and then pretty much no one else. You're probably right. <laughs> so, all right. We uh, need to get ourselves taken back into 1999. We're going to party like it's 1999. John, could you uh, please prince us up? All right. Well, the movie was released on June 30th, 1999. The Billboard Top 100 sing- single of that week was one that I got sick of listening to because it was on the radio all the time. It was Smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas. It is just like the ocean under the moon. It's the same as the emotion that I get from you. You got the kind of love and that can be so smooth. Yeah. Give me your heart and make it real or else forget about it. The second you said it was on all the time, my head goes to smooth because that song was just everywhere and you liked it, probably even liked it the first hundred times you heard it. Yeah. And then it's that extra hundred, those extra 500, those thousand more times that you heard it. You're like, yeah, I'm kind of done with this. Exactly. Uh, topping the Nielsen ratings, I've d- I'm just going to start excluding news mm. programs from these Nielsen ratings because everyone is watching the news all the Lame. time, so a lot of those news programs get pushed up in the ratings, and that's fair, but yeah, that's not really what people are... No one's re- nostalgia for one random episode <laughs> of Dateline or something, or exactly. 2020. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as TV shows go, uh, was a show that I absolutely watched, I loved, I loved the British version, I loved the American version, and I watched the current version when I can. It was Whose Line Is It Anyway? What? That was a topping of the Nielsen ratings? Yes. That has sh- surprised me. And yes, I also, um, actually mostly probably because of you, because mm-hmm. you watched Whose Line Is It Anyway back with you know the British Clive Owen, and then Drew Carey did a great job, and then uh, Aisha Tyler leads it now, right? Yeah. And so this was this would have been the Drew Carey version, and this was a, a part, I, I remember this, like Drew Carey was just on top of his game. This followed the Drew Carey show, I believe, on oh, ABC, okay. and I he kind of owned that time slot, I think, for a while, and I think that's why his ratings were so high, because people were loving watching the show, and then they really enjoyed watching his version of Whose Line Is Anyway. I really enjoyed it as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, they're on, I think it's Hulu or Amazon right now. I can't remember which, but... Uh, there's quite a bit of them that are on. Mm-hmm. Um, for, unfortunately, they don't have like some of like the really big ones, like the Robin Williams episode and other stuff like right. that. That a lot of people probably did watch. But those guys, I mean, masters of their craft. Yeah. On whose line? Actually, at one uh, point, I actually yeah. bought a bloopers DVD that they released <laughs> of stuff where they like it's on sets or where they're cursing and stuff, and it uh-huh. it makes me laugh every time I watch it. Yeah. Well, you're right. That is far more interesting than Dateline in 2020. <laughs> Uh, the New York Times bestseller for that week was Hannibal by Thomas Harris, which is the third book in the Hannibal Lecter series, mm-hmm. which I do believe they turned into a movie sometime in the mid-2000s. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, they brought back Anthony Hopkins, mm. I believe, for that one. And I think uh, the one that Ray Liotta was in and he was eating his brains. I, I don't remember. So. I didn't actually see the movie. I'm pretty sure that, yeah, at one point... Uh, he was either having Ray Liotta eat his own brains or he was eating Ray Liotta's brains while Ray Liotta was at the table, like drugged up from anesthesia watching something like that. That's messed up. Yeah. (laughs) Good times. Uh, on that same day, uh, that, uh, South Park, uh, was released. 
PS, uh, the PlayStation, say PS1, because at that point it wasn't the PS1, it was just the PlayStation, mm-hmm. uh, released a game called Driver, which I've never played. I actually, because I didn't, we didn't play PlayStation, I didn't, I'm not familiar yeah. with that game. And I didn't really look anything up about it, so you can yeah, look it up uh, while I, I mean, keep I talking. Assume, I assume it's a driving game. Um, but yeah, I know nothing about it. it looking, it, it up. looked like it was sort of like like a video game version of like the transporter or something like that, because okay. it was like a silhouette of a dude on the front. I see that. Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah, like the, the you're right. The cover looks cool. I don't really know like much about the. Like he's a getaway driver, so. not necessarily that it's like a racing game. Yeah, se. exactly. That looks. Yeah, they're just on the streets. So. And okay. then my fun fact for 1999 uh, in Australia, a man named Bill Morgan was hit by a truck and was clinically dead for 14 minutes. When he woke up, he bought a scratch card and won a car worth $25,000. When asked to recreate this for the news, he won $250,000 on the air. I, You know, I have heard that it's that part. I didn't realize that he had been declared dead before. Um, that's <laughs> that's news to me. But I have seen that clip of the guy who got on the news and, you know, oh, I'm recreating the scratcher. And then like, oh, I just won $250,000. It's like... Damn, son. Yeah. <laughs> some some guys get all the breaks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they get in a car accident and die for a little bit, but then it's, you know, it's all easy money for them. Might have been worth it. I don't know. It might have been, yeah. Depends on how much. Well, it's Australia, so they get free health care, so they don't have to worry yeah. about the hospital bill. Here, I might need that 250 just to pay for all my uh, medical stuff. Anyway, mm. that was 1999. All right. Well, that is exciting. That is exciting, and uh, yeah, without further ado, let's go on down to South Park. Oh yeah, the Macho Man is here to tell you that the Beef Up Network is partnered with 80stees.com to give you the best deal on the sweetest shirts on the internet. I'm here to tell you right now, if you go to 80stees.com and use the promo code BEEFOP, that's B-F-O-P, then you can get 30% off your entire order. Oh yeah, that's the cream of the crop, baby. Nobody does it better yet. We're going to start off with South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. I'm going to kind of leave off a lot of the show talk until we talk the show, but as we mentioned, this uh, film came out in 1999, directed by Trey Parker, uh, written by him and Matt Stone. Trey Parker and Matt Stone, obviously a very famous writing team. They created South Park. They also did some other fantastic films and, and things that you might have seen, including Team America. World Police is hilarious. I love that movie. Maybe one we'll get to you know, in the far future. Basketball is pretty freaking awesome. I think basketball is my favorite of their live action okay. stuff. Okay, yeah, it's very ridiculous. Book of Mormon, it, it destroyed and owned the Tonys. The Still year never it seen out. it. Still never seen oh, it. I've seen it twice. I went and saw it twice live, and it is amazing. And it is perfectly their humor. Like, they didn't really tone down their own humor, which I was worried that, like, you know, for the upper echelon schnooty you know broadway people broadway people that they weren't going to be able to be themselves but they were and it's awesome and then also want to throw out orgasmo i was just I about or- to say orgasmo <laughs> orgasmo speaking is of mormons because because yeah. they're mormon in that yeah exactly he is yep yep uh it's it's pretty freaking awesome uh also <laughs> ri- who was a writer on this movie pam brady she had written for the John Larroquette show. She was a producer on the South Park show, as well as Team America and a bunch of other stuff. 
Okay. The cast is mostly Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Um, Trey Parker does people like Stan, Cartman, Mr. Garrison, Satan, Randy Marsh, bunch of characters. I'm not going to name them all. Matt Stone does Kyle, Kenny, Saddam Hussein, Butters, a bunch of other characters as well. And then the only other person I'll mention right now is, of course, Isaac Hayes. Uh, was the voice of Chef for a long time on the South Park show and in this movie. And you know Isaac Hayes, he did the theme song for Shaft, a bunch mm-hmm. of great, great music in like the 70s and, and beyond. Which I will talk more about his character and then what happened uh, with him uh, once we get into South Park. So this film came out only after two years of South Park. It's pretty awesome to me seeing that after only two two seasons and I think it was even before that obviously this got greenlit and allowed to go forward South Park obviously really punched its way into South uh, into pop culture it it did you could not escape yeah. it yeah I mean these four foul-mouthed boys just seem to be everywhere and yeah to, to give them a, a movie deal like this uh, they were the film was produced on a budget of 21 million dollars and it grossed 83.1 million dollars worldwide making it the highest-grossing R-rated animated film of all time for that time. It wasn't until 2016 that that got uh, overshadowed when the I didn't find a very funny movie, Sausage Party. <laughs> I was about to say, was it Sausage Party? I didn't like Sausage Party. You know, I it just didn't think it was all that good. And then now there's a thing, a Demon Slayer movie that came out in 2020 that is crushed at the box office. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it's a, I think it's a very popular in like the Chinese and Japanese crowd. I think. Ah, okay. But yeah, so, but I wanted me a good, good old cartoon movie, so why not go with a nice R-rated cartoon <laughs> movie? So, all right, let's get going and start talking bigger, longer, and uncut. And we get started off kind of, you know, heading into the South Park, and it's a fucking musical. <laughs> and of course, we know this now, but like, I think for the vast majority of South Park fans out there, they're not musical people, you know? Mm-hmm. But this shows to me, um, little hints of like, oh, wow, they music is a huge part for Trey Parker and Matt Stone, which, you know, music is in the show quite a bit. Right. But not to the extent of making your entire movie a, <laughs> a musical, which I think is also genius because it allows them. I mean, it's just it's, it's it works really well for them and obviously something that they, they like doing. So, you know, even kind of go back and they did make Cannibal the musical back in the day. Uh, which is kind of like a, almost like a student film that they did, which was actually pretty funny. I remember watching that actually when I was in, in college. Um, but anyway, I think it surprised people and I think it's wonderful. But we start off with Stan singing about his quiet mountain town. The sun is shining and the grass is green under the three feet of snow, I mean. This is a day when it's hard to wear a frown. All the happy people stop to say hello. Get out of my way. Even though the temperature's low. It's a perfect Sunday morning in my quiet little mountain town. In that song, he goes around. We, we kind of see the boys. We see the supporting characters and just kind of seeing the town as we're getting stuff started off. And they're going to go see this movie, Terrence and Philip, Asses of Fire. It's a brand new film, but they can't get in because it's R-rated. And I got to mention a nice little comedy line here where Cartman's like, "Uh, it's probably not going to be all that good anyway. Let's just, you know, the animation's all crappy. And they cut to a side of them crappily walking along. (laughs) Yeah, I just, that is, 
that kind of like you know you can make fun of yourself meta meta humor i think is pretty freaking awesome yeah but they end up getting a homeless guy to you know pretend to be their parents and and buy them the tickets and they go see the movie and in asses of fire they hear bad words some of the worst words that they could ever imagine and of course the delightful song uncle fucker Yes, it's true. Nobody fucks uncles quite like you. Shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. You're the one that fucked your uncle, Uncle Fucker. You don't eat or sleep or mow the lawn. You just fuck your uncle all day long. Hmm. And I feel like this is... I don't know if Uncle Fucker is is not the biggest song out of this one, um, but I feel like it was pretty popular. It was. I I did my... uh, my stint in drum corps mm-hmm. the year the summer after this came out and i don't know how many times like other guys in in my section would be just <laughs> singing uncle fucker all the all the time uh shut your all, fucking face yeah all the time yeah um but yeah so the boys they loved it too and they come out of the theater repeating lines from the movie you know uh, you know, kind of singing Uncle Fucker, all that kind of stuff. So they've been warped a little bit. They go to Stark's Pond, tell the other kids they saw the movie. Uh, we also see that Stan is, you know, with something that we've already seen from knowing the show, but he is in love with Wendy Testaberger and he can't control himself when he's around her. He throws up on her uh, when he tries to talk to her because he just gets, he gets all bottled up, you know, young love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's hanging out with this, like, this British kid. This annoying British kid, and Stan is jealous of him. All right, uh, at the at school the next day, Cartman and the other kids are—they've uh, all seen the movie now, and they're just making these uh, using the bad language that they they say. And here's a line that I constantly use, you know, because he's saying "fuck," and Mr. Garrison's just like, "No, no, you can't say that. You know, it's a bad word." And he's like, "What the? What's the fucking deal? Fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck." What's the big deal? It doesn't hurt anybody. Fuck. I, mean, I swear I say fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck yeah. a couple times a week. And then he tells Mr. Garrison to suck his balls. How would you like to suck my balls? <gasps> what did you say? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Actually, what I said was... How would you like to suck my balls, Mr. Garrison? <laughs> With a megaphone, yes. sucks my balls, Mr. Garrison. Mr. Garrison. So they're obviously in trouble now. Income, the moms, and they're all pissed about this stuff, and they end up shifting the blame onto this terrible movie that they saw with this horrific, deplorable language. I'm sorry, I can't help myself. That movie has warped my fragile little mind. All right, the kids then go to lunch. We see Chef, who, uh, you know, always is willing to dish out the advice, and as Stan is uh, trying to, you know, figure out how to get Wendy. Chef, uh, kind of without realizing it, tells him, oh, you just got to find the clitoris. So he's telling her, telling, you know, this uh, third grader at this time, uh, you know, oh, just try to find the clitoris. Something I find very interesting. Why is that such a thing to say, find the clitoris? It's not hard. It's like, it's, say, right, it's, it's not, right there. It's not that difficult. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's not like the clitoris isn't the G spot, you know, which is like an, an inside thing. But like. The clitoris is, it's right, it's right staring at you, <laughs> you know? But anyway, that's the, that's the advice that uh, our lovely chef gives to Stan. 
Uh, we get a news report on the movie and its effect on kids. And Kyle's mom gets on uh, the TV as well. It gets into a yelling match with Can- uh, Canada's prime minister. I love the little, can I finish? Can yeah. I finish? We can't believe that a movie with some foul language would piss you off so much. Because it's evil! Can I finish? Please, can I finish? Okay, I'm finished. That's almost like Ross Perot. Actually, I went Ross Perot right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, they kind of did that with him. I mean, they kind of turned him into a little, it was like a little Ross Perot parody almost. (laughs) Yeah. Can I finish? Can't I finish? Okay, I'm finished. Okay, I'm finished. All right. Uh, The kids get counseled by Mr. Mackey, and he sings them a song to fix them. Easy, okay? You can do it. It's all up to you, okay? With a little plan, you can change your life today. You don't have to spend your life addicted to smack Homeless on the streets giving handjobs for crack Follow my plan and very soon you will say It's easy and good Step one, instead of ass, say buns Like kiss my buns or you're a buns hole Step two, instead of shit, say poo As in bull, poo, poo, head in this poo is cold Step three, with bitch, drop the tea Cause Bic is Latin for generosity Step four, don't say fuck anymore Cause fuck is the worst word that you can say So just use the word okay and I, you just got to love the idiocy of Mr. <laughs> Mackey here because, you know, he's telling him to say all these other languages or other, other bad thing words besides fuck and whatnot. But they're singing fuck at the same time. You shouldn't say fuck, fuck, no. <laughs> I always find it interesting just to, to talk a little just the mentality of swear words. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you're saying a word that is a derogatory word to another person you know to, to, to hurt their feelings or something like that you know that's that's not good that's a bad word but when you're using a word for emphasis like man that's fucking awesome it's not a bad word like in my opinion like mm-hmm. and the fact when you just shift the the word from like say fuck to fudge or something like ultimately you're still doing the same thing you're saying the same kind of thing like why is this one word the way you say it this one way like why is that such a a thing for you like why is that such a terrible and that's obviously part of the satire here is why they're they're poking fun at like it's just fucking words people calm <laughs> calm your tits so just just my opinion um uh, but i i use i love bad language <laughs> i say it all the time i can't help myself i mean it's one of the i think it's one of the traits that your kids know about me is uh, oh when yeah. uncle adam's around uh-huh <laughs> you gotta be careful it was one of the reasons i i was afraid of uh recording our trivia podcast <laughs> Because I insisted yeah. that one be clean. Yep, yep. But we, we 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 do a good job. I do. It does slip every now and then when I have a miss an edit or something. But <laughs> right. overall, we try to keep it clean. So, so he lets the kids uh, take the afternoon off. Uh, Mr. Mackey does after they sing their song. And guess what they do? They go straight to see the movie again. <laughs> Love that. Cartman, you know, from the movie, they see that uh, Terrence or Philip lit a fart on fire at one point, and he uh, he doesn't believe that that's a real thing. So Kenny. Uh, sets out to prove him that, hey, it is possible to light a fart on fire. And he does it, and he lights up, uh, you know, in great Kenny combusting fashion. And, you know, gets taken to a hospital. Uh, the doctor there is the voice of George Clooney. We have precious little time left, people. We're going to lose him soon. Doctor, his heart stopped. Let's get it out of there. We need to zap this, quick. Who's making a potato? My bad, sir. I missed lunch. Damn it. I'm not going to lose this kid. Love that. They had him be the doctor, which actually fits really well, because back in that day, he was still known for ER. Right. You know, nowadays, I think most people probably even fucking forget he was in ER and he was, you know, became just, you know, one of the top just, you know, actors, yeah. like leading men in, in Hollywood. But back then, he was definitely ER guy. 
and I always love his little line because they're, you know, they're they're zapping his heart, you know, which you would do with like a defibrillator, but instead they put it in a microwave, but someone had a baked potato in there, and then when Kenny somehow awakens, he lets him know, Kenny, Kenny, can you hear me? How are you feeling, son? Great. Son, I have some bad news. We accidentally replaced your heart with a baked potato. You have about three seconds to live. And it's just like, I always laugh at that part. And then I really laugh when he's like, you know, Kenny is obviously dead. And he's like, damn it. It never gets any easier. Gets up and starts whistling. And just uh, walks away. It's <laughs> yeah. a doctor. I mean, funny shit. Yeah. So the moms now um, know that the kids saw the movie again. So they're all in trouble. They end up getting grounded. And we do see... Kenny going to heaven. He is making his way up there. It's a land of naked women, and it's absolutely yeah. wonderful. And then he tries to get access. No, he's going to hell. And we get a quick little uncredited uh, fast little song here um, about, hey, little boy, you're going to hell, which is sung by James Hetfield. Little boy, you're going to hell. I couldn't figure out if it was actually James Hetfield or if it was like one of the guys doing an impression of James yeah. Hetfield. Because Trey Parker actually does, he does a lot of, um, you know, some of the heavy metal stuff, even like later in the in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got like a, a band that he calls DVDA uh, that will do heavy metal stuff. In case anybody's curious, DVDA stands for double vaginal, double anal, <laughs> uh, which means two dicks in the vag, two dicks in the anus. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course he would have a band called DVDA. Yes. And South Park is really the reason I know a lot of this kind of dirty, terrible stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so you can you can blame him for my you know uh, that you know that show has warped my fragile little mind uh, for sure. <laughs> Your fragile little mind. <laughs> uh, Sheila, who is uh, Kyle's mom, Sheila and the PTA want to stop all this terrible, dirty language, and so they ultimately put the blame on Canada. Blame Canada. Times have changed. Our kids are getting worse. Should we blame the government or blame society? Or should we blame the images on TV? No, blame Canada! Blame Canada! For the beady little eyes and flapping heads are full of lies. Blame Canada! Blame Canada! We need to form a full assault! It's Which, I mean, I love what they're pushing, what, what um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone are pushing, is that there's this whole satire on parents blaming everyone else and not blaming themselves on when, you know, the kids don't act, you know, the way they want to. Mm -hmm. And also just, yeah, the ridiculousness of bad words. And also the over the top of like, oh my God, you know, all this bad violence and all this other stuff is okay as long as there's no naughty words. Right. We'll get some more of that. And that's just like, that is such the weirdly American way where it's just like, oh, no, 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 don't you dare show us a nipple. Don't you dare uh, say a naughty word. But, oh, yeah, you can watch this person blow up another person. No big deal. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's kind of crazy. America. (laughs) America. Woo. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey. (laughs) see what I did there? All right. Uh, Blame Canada was actually nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Song. That seems like the safest one to get nominated <laughs> out of this movie. 
You know what? You're right. Blame Canada. It's obviously a satire and all that kind of stuff. And not so much Uncle Fucker is going to make it. Um, <laughs> but that would have been funny. No. So uh, actually, the 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 woman who voiced uh, Kyle's mom. She, she yeah, Kyle's mom, Sheila Brofloski, Uh She passed away not too long after this movie went out, and so they had to have. So they didn't end up. Um, she didn't end up singing because then the, the Oscars used to always have you know someone singing. The, mm-hmm. the the thing uh, they had someone else do it I can't remember I'm, I apologize off the top of my head editor Adam cutting in I wanted to make sure I found out who it was who was singing and actually at those Academy Awards it was Robin Williams who performed Blame Canada uh, in place of Mary Kay Bergman so there you go yeah. Oh, yeah. Mary Kay Bergman. Yeah, she was the one who did Kyle's mom, but she passed away. That's sad to hear. It is. Yeah. Yeah. They've had to go through different voices. So, um, but you might remember John at the Oscars that year, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, because they you know were nominated. They showed up in some pretty famous uh, attire. I was to say <laughs> one of them was wearing like the Jennifer Lopez like low V cut dress. Was it? Was it? Uh, was it Trey? Parker? Yeah, Trey Parker was wearing that green Versace-esque dress that that uh, she made famous, and Matt Stone was wearing a dress that Gwyneth Paltrow had worn uh, previously as well. So, um, apparently, and apparently they also were on acid when when they oh. went. So, I mean, because why not? Because why not? I mean, they don't take that shit seriously, uh, and I think that's pretty fantastic. That's fu- sometimes I think we take the Academy Awards too seriously. Absolutely. There was definitely a time where I loved and I wouldn't miss the Academy Awards. And so I would like, you know, oh, yeah, I wanted to watch him. And then now I just kind of realize it's all just self-gratifying bullshit. And they never get it right. And, you know, know, sometimes they do. But it's like it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. It's just a bunch of old assholes saying what they think. And does their opinion matter any more than yours? No, it doesn't. Fuck them. I do. I have to say. I do like that they've switched to a non-host. Okay, I haven't even watched it in the last few years. So I'm not gonna lie. I think is it was it the Oscars who did it, or was it just? I'm pretty sure the Oscars, like the last couple Oscars, they didn't have an official host. Yeah, because then I don't have to sit through any awkward uh, sketches or yeah. musical Song numbers and dance stuff <laughs> that I don't give a shit. And I haven't given a shit about any of that stuff since probably Billy Crystal, who I think was the last mm. person to do it well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he was very, very good at that. I will say I did laugh. Um, was it, uh, yeah, uh, when uh, Seth MacFarlane hosted and he did that song, We Saw Your Boobs. We saw your boobs. We saw your boobs. In the movie that we saw, we saw your boobs. Meryl Streep, we saw your boobs in Silkwood. Naomi Watson, Mulholland Drive. Angelina Jolie, we saw your boobs in Gia. They made us feel excited and alive. And Hathaway, we saw your boobs in Brokeback Mountain. Halle Berry, we saw them in Monsters Ball. Nicole Kidman and Eyes Wide Shut, Marissa Tomei and the Wrestler Butt. We haven't seen Jennifer Lawrence's boobs at all. We saw your boobs. We saw your boobs. In the movie that we saw, we saw your boobs. We saw your boobs. I know. A lo- I think it pissed <laughs> off a lot of uh, ladies in the audience that day. Good. But why, you know what? Why let Seth MacFarlane, that is Seth MacFarlane's humor, and you showed your boobs. You did. <laughs> what What got me, though, was uh, one Which of I have one, no problem with, letting everyone the, out there, no problem with that. Yeah, one of the one, one of the actresses he mentions in the song is, um, oh, God, why did I just, I just blanked on her name. 
South African actress. Charlize Theron? Charlize Theron. She me- he mentions her, and it goes to her with like a mad, shocked face. But then uh-huh. we learned later they're good friends. Uh, the, so I think, probably, it was, yeah. I think it was all planned. Probably. I think they all knew ahead of time what was going to happen. Pro- you know what? You're probably right. And they just said, hey, sit here. Look really, look really pissed at this. We, we need ratings. We're going to do something shocking. Yeah. Just look like you're upset. But I agree. I, I laughed at that movie or that uh, song as well. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, the boys are kind of all being together as the parents were at the PTA meeting. Uh, they are watching Conan O'Brien. Why? Because Terrence and Philip are on Conan O'Brien. Uh, and Brent Spiner did the voice of Conan yeah. for the movie. Data himself. Yeah. But Conan is such an asshole. Uh, it was all a setup. And he allowed Mothers Against Canada and the U.S. government to ambush Terrence and Philip uh, to capture them and take them back. Conan, of course, filled with grief, jumps out the window, commits suicide, <laughs> falling on a car. <laughs> what have I done? And I love how the guy, the owner of the car, comes out, beep, beep, and stops the, the <laughs> horn and just walks away. <laughs> so that's good stuff. Must be a daily occurrence in New York. Yeah, must be. Uh, at the UN, Canada is obviously pissed uh, because they took Terrence and Philip, who is a large portion of their economy and financial stability of mm-hmm. the nation. And so as they're talking, though, of course, you got to play on the aboot, their accents, and everybody starts laughing at them. Yeah, okay, I'm going to address something here. Um, one of the podcasts I really like to listen to is the Dr. DC podcast. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We, we, are, we, are, we definitely enjoy them. We've had both Richard and Reed on our show, and they're both fantastic guys. Yep. Um, and I have heard Reed complain about the aboot stereotype that Canadians don't sound like this. And Reed, if you're listening... <laughs> You absolutely sound like that. <laughs> it absolutely sounds like you're saying a boot when you say it. And it's just our ears and the way we hear the words. And I'm telling you, that's exactly what it sounds like. That's funny. Uh, so Canada, to retaliate, decides to bomb the Baldwins. <laughs> and that's what they think, you know, will retaliate. You know, they steal some of their famous people. So they attack the Baldwins. And... Uh, all of the Baldwins that showed up in that were uh, voiced by Dave Foley. Mm. Baldwin residents. No, this is Billy Baldwin. If you want Daniel Baldwin, call his extension. Stupid. Hey, Alec, do you know what sucks about being a Baldwin? No. What? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So we, we love Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall. Yep. Things like that. <laughs> so Small stint on Scrubs, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. He was great on Scrubs. He yeah. was He was wonderful on Scrubs. Yeah. Mr. Garrison uh, shows his sexist nature, which uh, is always kind of funny to me. All right, children, your mothers are all making me throw away my lesson plan and teach theirs. Mr. Garrison, how come our moms arrested Terrence and Philip? Yeah! yeah. That's, that's gay. Uh, well, your moms are just upset. They're probably all on their periods or something. Mr. Garrison, Wendy and I think that was a sexist statement. Well, I'm sorry, Wendy, but I just don't trust anything that bleeds for five days and doesn't die. We also understand from their watching TV uh, at school that uh, the U.S. is going to execute Terrence and Philip, And uh, we also find out that Kyle's mom is now the secretary of offense. Thanks, Bill Clinton. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> she just kind of shoehorns her way into anything. Yeah. Meanwhile, down in hell, we meet Satan. 
I love Satan as a character. I'm not going to lie. I think he's wonderful. He's this big red gay character, overtly gay. You know, he's he, he likes to be evil. He enjoys that. But he's also got just a, such a sweetheart as well. And I think that's a fun little aspect about him. Yeah. So uh, who's less sweet? Saddam Hussein is down there with him, who is his partner, which Saddam Hussein wasn't dead yet at this point. He was uh, he was still alive. Um, it wasn't until like the mid 2000s where he was captured and then executed. But I don't know why they kind of played that up where he was <laughs> he was dead and he was Saddam's partner. I mean, I love that they ended up making him Saddam's partner. But yeah, but he Saddam, he pushes all over Satan like he is the dominant person, the alpha, I guess, in that relationship or but in an asshole way where he just tells him what to do and he's kind of steamrolling Satan. So mm-hmm. well, that's that's disappointing. You remember um what was that Seth Rogen movie oh, about? No, the uh, interview. Interview, which it was actually pretty funny. I remember there was like a whole thing about, oh, what is Kim Jong-il going to think about it? Or Kim jong whatever, whoever. I think, I think it was still ill. I don't think it was Un yet. Okay. Well, I remember the same thing happening when the South Park movie came out, and people were like, oh, what is Saddam Hussein going to think of it? Because they were overtly making fun of him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone ever said anything to him. Or if they ever saw it, or what? So I found something. Yeah, apparently. Now this, I don't know. I well, I take it as true from what I saw. Apparently, the South Park creators, uh, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, said they were sent a signed photo of Saddam Hussein <laughs> because <laughs> after the dictator, after the dictator, um, he was he was shown the movie mm-hmm. in jail in two thousand and nine. So <laughs> after he had been. After he had been, uh, obviously, you know, captured and put in jail, apparently uh, it might be cruel and unusual punishment, but they had him watch South Park over and over again. <laughs> it's what I heard. And they signed a, uh, uh, had a signed photo that they sent to Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and they thought that was hilarious. <laughs> so. so apparently he did see it, but it was after he really couldn't do anything about it. Right. So on the playground, Cartman is just fed up with Kyle's mom, you know? In fact, he thinks Kyle's mom's a bitch. And we get that wonderful song, Kyle's mom's big fat bitch, she's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world, which actually showed up in season one of okay. the show. This this might actually be my favorite song out of the movie. It's it, it, that one is actually might be maybe the more famous because it it was from the show as well. So they took it from the show, brought it to the movie. Um, so yeah, reused for the movie. So it was a very popular one. But of course, Kyle's mom hears it at the end, and now Cartman is in trouble. So what they what they do with him, they fit him with a what's called a V chip, uh, which a doctor explains how it works. Basically, whenever he says a bad language, uh, but says a bad word or whatnot, then it uh, it shocks him, gives him a little shock. And then he will stop doing it because of the shock treatment. That doctor is voiced by Eric Idle. Comedy great. Oh, yeah. So would you ever uh, get, then would we, you ever get your kid V chipped? Hell no. That's ridiculous. Yes, I agree. That is totally ridiculous. who would do that. <laughs> Kyle's mom. It's Kyle's mom because she's she's a bitch. <laughs> she's a big fat bitch, uh, biggest bitch in the whole wide world. I've heard it uh, on. Uh, I've got on good 
faith that that's the case. So, but yeah, we find out that the execution will be happening during a USO show. Um, we also see a mass burning of a lot of Canadian things uh, happening. And Alanis Morissette gets thrown into the pile as well. I just thought all this shit was funny. <laughs> uh, Stan wants to step up to the parents right now to prove Wendy that he's political, like the guy that she likes. Uh, so what he decides is they are going to try to save Terrence and Philip themselves. And, um, you know, after all, that's what Brian Boitano would do. What would Brian Boitano do if he was here right now? He'd make a plan and he'd follow through. That's what Brian Boitano do. When Brian Boitano was in the Olympics skating for the gold, he did two style cows and a triple that's while wearing a blindfold. When Brian Boitano was in the Alps fighting grizzly bears, he used his magical fire breath and saved the maiden's fair. So what would Brian Boitano do if he were here today? I'm sure he'd kick an ass or two. That's what Brian Boitano do. And we get the most random song in the movie. <laughs> this is the most random. And it's why it's funny, because it is the most random. Like, yeah. why did they pick, out of everyone, why did they pick Brian Boitano? I don't remember. I, I looked it up, and apparently Brian Boitano was, you know, he laughed about it. and he Because they've, they've, they've gone, not gone after Brian Boitano, but they've used him multiple times. Because I think there was another movie that they also mention Brian Boitano in <laughs> with other stuff. It's like they, they kind of keep coming back to him. I mean, he was fleeting fame. You know, he was for like right. that one Olympics and then no one knew Brian Boitano besides it. And like weirdly, it, it, does, it doesn't feel like they're attacking him. They're just no. using him as the subject of the song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I guess maybe they just liked his name and that's it. Uh, Saddam and Satan watch the news and it's a sign of the end of times. Satan decides, you know, okay, this is all this thing is coming to fruition and he will take over the earth once the blood of the innocent of Terrence and Philip are killed. And uh, at the end of that little scene, John, we get a little sound of uh, Satan and Saddam having some sex. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, you like that, don't you, bitch? It's gross. It's like you hear him go like, uh, oh, and Saddam goes, you like that, don't you, bitch? And I, like lie, I love that line. I it, love that line. It, it does make me laugh. Yes. So uh, the boys go on to the interwebs to try and find uh, some answers as well as try to find the clitoris. And they uh, <laughs> end up stumbling upon a video of Cartman's mom in uh, some German scat porn. And oh. <laughs> just... Just ridiculous and hilarious. So uh, then they end up putting out this secret message because Kyle can somehow hack the internet. Um, but that's just how all these bullshit movies worked. And so they, I think they're just making fun of that because, mm-hmm. you know, like, like like the Jurassic Park kid. Like, okay, she all of a sudden knows everything about computers and can, you know, hack into their system that, you know, they probably hired some of the best of the best and she just... Okay, she knows that all the kind of stuff. So anyway, same kind of situation here. Puts out a message to meet up to to make this plan to save Terrence and Philip and make sure you bring punch and pie. I always like that. Make sure there's punch and pie. Tell them we'll have punch and pie. We're not going to have punch and pie. My bill will come if they think we have punch and pie. Punch and pie. That night, Cartman sees the ghost of Kenny to warn them about Satan taking over. Um, and we also see that Satan just isn't very happy in his relationship. He doesn't, he's not a fan that, that uh, Saddam verbally, verbally and, you know, probably physically abuses him some, mm-hmm. you know, and then we get this wonderful song up there. Up there, there's so much room where babies burn by flowers bloom. Everyone 
that's where Satan wants to be. You know, he, he wants to be up up here, John, with us. What I really want to know is, okay, who did the voice of Satan? Uh, Trey Parker, I believe. I want to know if Trey Parker actually hit that, that high falsetto. note. That falsetto was, yeah. That, that was, was pretty that was, epic. Yes. <laughs> so uh, Cartman warns the rest of the boys about uh, Kenny's uh, message. And, you know, they get things started with their meeting and Stan's ideas are just kind of like pranks. They're nothing crazy. And the political, the British political kid comes up and he's got a good little plan to sneak in and break them out. But Stan, of course, trying to prove to Wendy, he's like, no, no, we'll do it. You know, because he really wants to win her favor. And it kind of forces Kyle and Cartman to join in, all to prove for Wendy that he's political too. At uh, uh, this military event, we see many of the uh, males from town are now in the military. Uh, Randy and Jimbo and whatnot, and also Chef uh, has been pulled in, and he is in uh, a very specific group um, with some funny racist humor, where he's going to be a part of Operation Human Shield, <laughs> where his platoon is uh, going to be the first wave, and then don't worry, the other people of Operation Get Behind the Darkies uh, have to you know come in behind him. I love, 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 love Chef's message or chef's question have you ever heard of the emancipation proclamation <laughs> no i don't listen to hip-hop <laughs> exactly like that's fucking gold uh which is totally unnecessary at that time of age we we have all kinds of technology that precludes us from needing a human shield yeah i know but because it's racism and it's I, yeah, hilarious. I, you know, I get it. it's it's funny <laughs> it's funny so uh the pretty the british kids uh, give them a contact, this guy called the Mole, to help them out. And then our British guy starts off the song, La Resistance. You may get stabbed in the head with a dagger or a sword. You may be burned to death or skin alive or worse. But when they torture you, you will not feel the need to run for though you die. La Resistance is on. Break it off! Break it off! Because the country's gone awry, tomorrow night these freaks will cry! So much room where babies burp and flowers bloom. Tomorrow night up there is doomed, and so I will be going soon. Shut your fucking face, Uncle Fagan. You're a bona-fide bastard, Uncle Fagan. Looks like we may be out of luck. Tomorrow night we're pretty fucked. Why did our mother start this war? What the fuck are they fighting for? When did this song become a marathon? When Canada is dead and gone, there'll be no more which this song is a melody or medley and honestly it's probably my favorite of the entire movie because you're bringing in all these i love whenever like all the musicals do the medleys that's usually my favorite it's it's definitely the most well-crafted yeah song out of the whole thing and I just want to add my favorite line. They may cut your dick in half and serve it to a pig, but in the end you'll laugh and dance a, jig, a dickless jig. Like, <laughs> I actually didn't hear the whole line, but as I was listening to the song, I was trying to like pick out all the little things, and uh-huh. I did happen to hear dis- dickless jig, which I'd never <laughs> noticed before. Yeah. <laughs> that, the, for some reason, that line it always stuck out to me, so. 
Uh, we get some more of Saddam and Satan having issues, and Kenny talks and kind of tries to console a crying Satan and advises him to leave him. But, you know, he's not ready to right now. So uh, the boys end up meeting with the mole, who uh, agrees to help, but he is an intense, fucked-up little kid. And we'll just kind of see more of that. He's this French, he's this little French kid. Satan does try to leave Saddam, but Saddam, you know, he's a manipulator and he sings his own song, I Can Change. Some people say that I'm a bad guy. They may be right, they may be right. But it's not as if I don't try. I just fuck up, try as I might. But I can change, I can change I can learn to keep my promises, I swear it I'll open up my heart and I will share it Any minute now I will be born again Yes, I can change, I can change I know I've been a dirty little bastard I like to kill, I like to make it I'm insane, but it's okay, cause I can change It's not my fault And that ends up kind of turning Satan back to his uh, mentality and you know allowing you know Satan takes him back. The USO show starts and the kids you know start sneaking in. We meet Big Gay Al real quick. Big Gay Al was definitely from the show yeah. from earlier uh, as well. Sheila's comment. Uh, here's where she mentions it's it's such a ridiculous true statement. We already brought it up, but she says, "When you're out there in the battlefield and you're looking into the beady eyes of a Canadian as he charges you with his hockey stick or whatever he has, and people are dying all around you, just remember what the MPAA says: horrific, deplorable violence is okay as long as people don't say any naughty words. That is what this war is all about." Remember what the MPAA says. Horrific, deplorable violence is okay as long as they don't put any naughty words in it. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> God, why is that such a thing? Ridiculous. All bunch of bullshit. But I, that's what they're making fun of in the film. And that's why I love this film. And why I'll talk about why I love South Park is because they'll challenge this stuff and make fun of it and, you know, satirize it. And when you really think about it, it's like, yeah, that's fucking true. Yeah. So the, cl- the kids split up, do their specific different tasks. You know, they have to, and if they have any problems, they have to make the call of a dying giraffe if they get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Another random thing, but I always like that as well. The, uh, uh. <laughs> whatever it is. And a nice little, that comes back at one point, which I think is funny when, when they actually make the sound and one of the military guys is like, what was that, a dying giraffe over there? <laughs> Just, it's stupid, but that's comedy. Yeah. So, and we also see that Winona Ryder does her famous ping pong ball trick. <laughs> Which is obviously making fun of like these uh, kind of stripper ladies who you might see at a place where they're popping out ping pong balls from a certain area. But for Winona Ryder, she's just hitting them with a paddle. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I didn't miss a single one. <laughs> so to stall the crowd, uh, the boys incite them to have Big Gay Al sing a song. And so he does. And he sings, I'm super. Bombs are flying. People are dying. Children are crying, politicians are lying too. Cancer is killing, Texaco's spilling. The whole world's gone to hell, but how are you? I'm super, thanks for asking. All things considered, I couldn't be better, I must say. I'm feeling super, no nothing bugs me. Everything is super when you're, don't you think I look cute in this hat? Great song. I love it. Love Big Gay Al. 
we see that Cartman is supposed to turn off an alarm, but he gets scared by the ghost of Kenny, so he doesn't end up doing it. Uh, the alarm does end up going off. They said they make the draft sound. Guard dogs get the mole, and they haven't saved Terrence and Philip yet. Oh, fuck. So they are going to be put onto the execution block. Kyle's mom flips the, well, has Mr. Garrison <laughs> flip the switch, and they are starting to be electrocuted in the electric chair. But when we see that Cartman tried to turn off the uh, power, there was some kind of electric surge that happened. And so now the electricity is interacting with his V-chip. And so things get depowered because of that. And so Terrence and Philip are saved. There is mass madness going on. Everybody's killing Canada ends up uh, uh, ambushing in. And so now we get us troops and Canadian troops killing each other, going crazy. Stan who gets blown from the fight finds the clitoris near a little random pond who, of course, gives him some advice. <laughs> Dude, you just have to have confidence in yourself. Believe in yourself and others will believe in you. Chicks love confidence. Now go, hurry, the clitoris has spoken. Basically, the advice is you need to have some confidence. <laughs> it's funny that like that is always the advice, but that is the true advice. If you're mm-hmm. a kid listening to this, which you shouldn't be because this is... Not a good podcast for kids, <laughs> but if you are curious on how to like, you know, be better with, with the opposite sex or whoever you're trying to entice, just be confident, baby. <laughs> That's it. Even the clit knows it. <laughs> so uh, Operation Human Shield is about to be in action uh, and Chef has his squad ditch and get out of the way in perfect timing because he's chef chef and he's smart so uh we got one of that one guys another line that i'll throw out every now and then you some people gonna die you some people gonna die <laughs> says it before they do it and you know which is which is wild to me because uh phantom menace didn't come out much earlier than this i didn't think yeah it does sound like he's pulling a jar jar but i don't know if he i don't think he was okay yeah So some of the mothers now are realizing that the mass violence and war is going to get their kids killed, kids killed. Uh, Sheila, though, is still dead set on Terrence and Philip dying, and it's all their fault. So she grabs a gun, even though, you know, Kyle is trying to step up and stop his mother. She says, nope, fuck this. And she kills Terrence and Philip, shoots them in the head. And so now the prophecy is nigh. Satan and Saddam erupt from hell. Kenny also escapes at this point, too. Saddam is making people bow down to him, which ultimately makes Satan upset because, you know, he's the dark ruler. Cartman, at this point, realizes he has a V-chip, the malfunctioning V-chip, and he can control it shooting lightning when he says bad language. And so he starts shooting the hell out of Saddam. Damn shit! Respect my fucking authority! My favorite bad line that he says is blood drenched frozen tampon popsicle. (laughs) It's not even a bad word, but whatever. Satan also ends up turning on Saddam and, you know, throws him down into hell. He gets stabbed by a stalagmite. Which is weird, because wasn't he already dead? Yeah. (laughs) Which they actually address in the show. Uh, Later on in the show, and even in this one, he sings at one point. He kind of pops back up and sings for a second. 
later on. Oh. But in the show, you know, Saddam's back in hell wreaking havoc for Satan or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And and they're like, what? How are you back? He's like, well, you know, I was already dead. Where do you think I was going to go? Kansas or something? It was something like, I can't remember oh, okay. what the hell the line was, but, you know, they were just like, ridiculous. Hello, Satan! Saddam? Did you miss me, Buttercup? No, it can't be. You're dead. I killed you. Yeah, you killed me? So? Where was I going to go, Detroit? Satan thanks Kenny for helping him realize that he doesn't need Saddam anymore, and he allows him, you know, a wish. And Kenny wishes for everything to go back the way it was before the war, which would mean that Kenny would still remain dead, but everybody else would be, um, you know, be better off. So uh, Kenny, you know, in his nice little martyrdom, and he's the hero, he removes his parka, and we actually hear him clearly for the first time in the show or the movie, Mm -hmm. where he says, goodbye, you guys. Goodbye, you guys. Everything goes back to normal. It's a happy end. Chef starts singing. Everything worked out. What a happy end. Americans and Canadians are friends again. So let's all join hands and not go press them down. Don't you know our little lives are now complete? Cause Terrence and Philip are sweet. Super sweet. And we see Kenny goes to heaven. And that is the end of our movie. As credits roll, we get a punk version of the song, What Would Brian Boitano Do? Which is sung by the band DVDA that I already mentioned. Mm-hmm. I did notice in the credits, it says Saddam Hussein played himself, which is not the case. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was... It was Matt Stone, uh, but what do they care? They're like, he's yeah. not. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't matter. What's he gonna do? And then at the after that song plays, there is a song by Michael McDonald that plays. If you listen th- further into the credits, and it's called "Through the Eyes of a Child." Through the eyes of a child, the world seems magical. There's a sparkle in their eyes. If you get to realize. The darkness in their soul, the beauty of the smile, adventurous and wild. Life is kind of gay, but it doesn't seem that way through the eyes of a child. And I love that. I did not listen that far into the credits. I, I mean, I think it's hilarious. Like they got like a random Michael McDonald song, uh, or they I think they had him maybe do it for this. And then there is an after credit scene of Ike, who is Sheila Broflowski's Canadian uh, uh, adopted son. And he is still kind of like locked away in, in you know, the top of his attic mm-hmm. and he eats a mouse. And that's the end of it. It's a weird little after credit scene. Okay. I, I'd like to hear your thoughts first. Okay. It has probably been almost two decades since I've seen this movie. It's been a long time. I shockingly re- pretty much remembered all of it. I, I'm... I'm pretty sure I saw it a couple times in the theater. Probably saw it a good bit on DVD right after it came back. As we'll talk when we talk the show, I did watch South Park in the beginning. 
I kind of fell off that train fairly early on. I kind of just got over the humor. Like I just, I out, I outgrew the humor. I guess mm-hmm. my my taste in in comedy changed. So I did not really have high hopes rewatching this. Admittedly, some of the jokes were still too much for me. However, the music in this movie was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. The music was so good, and I'm not even talking about the contents of the lyrics. I just mean the crafting of the songs, its use in the in the film as a musical, and how they tied all the stuff together. Like you said, the medley was great. How they put all that stuff together, um, and I looked up because I wanted to know like who was now Trey Parker and Matt Stone wrote a lot of the songs, which they've always done. Um, but then they also had a score, and the guy who scored the movie also did help write some of the songs. It was a guy named Mark Shaman, uh, who did movies like Misery, City Slickers, Adam's Family, Sister Act, oh. Sleepless in Seattle, um, The American President, uh, oh. Patch Adams. Uh, he did a whole bunch of scores uh, and stuff like that. I've always yeah. liked the music of this movie. And this just sort of solidified that. Not just not necessarily just the content of, you know, songs like Uncle Fucker or Kyle's Mom's a mm-hmm. Bitch or something like that. Just how they're crafted. So that going back and listening to that did make it enjoyable to watch for me. That's nice. I actually do remember actually I watched like City Slickers maybe three years ago or something around that. And I re- I distinctly remember like, man, the score on this is really fucking good. Mm. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I'm really excited to hear that you enjoyed yourself enough. I can understand the humor is not for everybody, but this movie and this humor is what helped shape me and my humor and my just <laughs> Clearly. personality. Clearly. Uh, and so I can watch this, and I'll usually watch it every few years. I'll probably bring it back up every, at least every three, if not every two years. And so... I honestly think that this is kind of in that realm of damn near a perfect film. I just fucking love it. It speaks to me and it just it just gets me excited. I love again the music is phenomenal. The way I, the way it's crafted that medley is definitely my favorite, but overall I'm happy with all of it. The ridiculous humor is great. Um yeah, Trey Parker and Matt Stone are definitely two of my favorites and I appreciate everything they've done. And this movie means a lot to me and I fucking love it. All right, now let's talk South Park. This show is still currently going on. <laughs> it uh, it started off in 1997. It has currently had 23 seasons, 309 episodes as of the recording of our episode here, all on Comedy Central. Um, of course, everything is based on, you know, it's Trey Parker and Matt Stone, as we've already mentioned, those two guys. The cast Exact same as the movie, basically, you know, other people will shift around, but most people are done by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. A couple characters that I do want to kind of call out, uh, specifically, Kenny is actually based on a friend of Trey Parker's in elementary school who was named Kenny. And whenever he would go to the bus stop every day, he would see his friend Kenny waiting there and he had an orange coat and he would always say shit they couldn't understand. And he was also the poorest kid in the neighborhood. And apparently the real life Kenny would disappear randomly where kids would be like, hey, what happened to Kenny? Is he dead? 
And all of that kind of became a running joke that Trey Parker wrote into the character of Kenny. Mm, whatever happened to Kenny? I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't find that out. Another character from Trey Parker's real life that he wrote into the show is Leanne Cartman. So not really real life, but it's kind of kind of mixed between Wendy Testaberger and Leanne Cartman because Trey Parker had a girlfriend, a high school girlfriend that he was really serious about uh, named Leanne. Uh, she apparently left him. Maybe it was in college. I'm not sure. Whatever. But she left him for an acapella singer and apparently had been cheating on him while they were together. So uh, he made Leanne Cartman, you know, who was the star of our German uh, Shiza video. Uh-huh. Uh, and in the show, she is very famously a whore yeah. and is a <laughs> just not. And so he made Leanne a dirty, dirty whore because <laughs> of that, because of the show. So uh, and also in their movie Cannibal the Musical, there is a specifically a horse that is called a well-ridden horse that was named Leanne in that movie. So he. <laughs> Damn. He was bitter he's, for a while. I was say, he's not letting that go. No. Obviously, this show is about the four main kids of Stan, Kyle, Cartman, and Kenny and their lives around South Park. Um, obviously, as the show grew, characters grew. We get new characters, and you'll get some other ones in and out. And this show is obviously it became infamous for its profanity and its dark humor that used satire in a wide range of topics You know, for an adult audience. Um, and that was the main thing, and that's partly why I loved it. There's tons of running gags on this show. And I would say the first and foremost, partly they got really also famous for Kenny dying in mm-hmm. every episode. Yeah. Oh, my God, you killed Kenny, you bastard! That was a famous thing that happened, I think, up until season only like four or five uh, that they had it happen nearly every every episode. So yeah, here. So during the show's first five seasons, Kenny died in nearly every episode before returning in the the next season with little to no explanation given. He was written out of the show's sixth season in 2022, reappearing in the season finale. That's when Kenny's death then was kind of was seldom used. It's still used every now and then, uh, particularly when they bring in his character Mysterion uh, and some other stuff. But you know. It's it, it was it was a thing is a trope that they used to great success and then they're like all right this kind of stopped being funny and they <laughs> evolved from it yeah which which actually I think was a good move it shows their intelligent and their growth yeah because yeah it was just it was just a shock value thing and then they're like okay no we can actually do more with the show which they did you know the, a lot of the stuff was shock value early on to where it then shifted to political and religious and mm-hmm. other comedy and satire. That they use to great effect. And so uh, other famous things, Cartman, just in general, like everything Cartman. I think he he was the re-embodiment of Bart Simpson, but for a more extreme generation. So mm-hmm. back in like 1989, 1990, Bart was seen as like the bad kid. Right. The Dennis, the Dennis the Menace. So you go back into like the 50s, Dennis the Menace was the worst kid in town because he had a little slingshot and he could be, you know, mean to... Uh, Mr. Wilson um, every now and then be a little a little brat and then Bart stepped it up a notch and he was a little bit more of a douche and then Cartman took it to a whole nother level where he was America's little annoying asshole and he has done some terrible things like feeding a child his own parents in a chili (laughs) he pissed off Jennifer Lopez uh, with Jennifer Lopez Uh, uh, he's done everything 
besides that, also, Mr. Hanky, um, you know, a talking piece of poo that would come around uh, on Christmas episodes. Um, later seasons, Integrity Weed was a big running through line that they had with all this other stuff. Um, chef giving advice and chef singing songs about his salty chocolate balls, stuff like that. Say everybody ever seen my balls, they're big and salty and brown. If you ever need a fish, pick me up, just stick my balls in your mouth. Um, Ike kicking the baby, all this kind of shit. Stan throwing up on Wendy, some of the stuff we had seen in the movie. Mm -hmm. There's too much for me. I will not be able to talk about everything South Park in a small 20-minute section of our podcast. South Park deserves an entire podcast to go episode by episode by. I don't think I can make that a, a commitment, though, though I would. I love that show. If, if at the end of Cartwright, if we need... I, and I would straight up say, I love South Park more than Seinfeld. Now, mm. I think Seinfeld is probably more watchable now as I'm older. Mm-hmm. But like growing up, South Park meant more to me. And I watched South Park way more than I watched South, uh, Seinfeld. So if I had to order them, I probably would have ordered South Park as higher on my all-time favorite shows list than Seinfeld. So, um, but 309 episodes and knowing there's going to be more is a lot to <laughs> commit to. <laughs> yeah. So partly because, let me see, I've got a lot of notes to talk about on this. So speaking <laughs> of just how many episodes it's got, they have currently, they've made a deal with Viacom, CBS, who owns Comedy Central, that will slate the, th- the show through 30 seasons until 2027 for Comedy Central. So it's already basically guaranteed that. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Insane. Uh, it's won five Primetime Emmy Awards. It won a Peabody Award. And numerous inclusions into people's like greatest television shows of all time. During the show's uh, first 58 episodes, the boys were in the third grade. And then... Later on, they shifted to fourth grade, and they've been in fourth grade ever since. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It, it, they kind of stopped worrying about that. The pilot, pretty famously, was all made with uh, construction paper, <laughs> like cutouts, <laughs> yeah. and just kind of done very crudely. And then it shifted over to using computer animation, and it's much easier. Have you ever seen the documentary Six Days to Air? I want to say I've seen part of it. I don't know that okay. I've seen the whole thing. So, the show is basically written and created in six days. Right. And part of that is is because Parker and Stone want the show to be topical. Yeah. Extremely topical. And so they will push for this. And actually, there's a fantastic documentary out there set called Six Days to Air to show like how they do it. And so they will write stuff that fits right into the pop culture and it's 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 stays relevant so so for like example they had uh with their there have been multiple episodes that they based on political elections and so like they had a whole plan on here's if what if obama wins the 2008 election versus what if john mccain wins and here's like the storyline that they're pushing and get that that going um also the elian gonzalez raid oh, yeah. that happened where you kind of remember there's a shot of a guy like pointing a gun at you know like a, I think it was the grandpa father holding his grandson Elion and it was all scared they re, re they replicated that in a sh- in an episode that aired the same week that that happened mm. so it's just like they keep this shit super super topical 
The show itself debuted with great success, consistently earning the highest ratings of any basic cable program at the time. And, you know, even though stuff has varied over the years, it still remains one of Comedy Central's highest rated programs. Mm -hmm. And I do want to mention that every episode starts off with kind of a tongue-in-cheek disclaimer that reads, All characters and events in this show, even those based on real people, are entirely fictional. All celebrity voices are impersonated poorly. The following <laughs> program contains coarse language and due to its content should not be viewed by anyone. So that plays at the start of each each episode. And then right after that, John, is the theme song. Yeah. I'm going down south, I'm going to have myself a time. And I would say that theme song became pretty famous. I actually was very kind of impressed with the theme song. I really, I mean, it's it's Primus. Yeah. But I rather enjoyed the quirkiness of it. It is quirky. And I think Primus was a great call to get for the theme song because oh, yeah. they're a very quirky band. Yeah. You know, and they're not they're not opposed to that crude humor. Hell, my favorite song by them is Winona's Big Brown Beaver. Right. They don't take themselves too seriously, and I think that fits really well with the show. Some other stuff with the show. They have pissed off a lot of celebrities um, between <laughs> making fun of Barbara Streisand, Streisand uh, Kanye West, who is a gay fish, apparently, uh, Tom Cruise, and Scientology. Uh, they've pissed off a lot of people. Pretty famously, Isaac Hayes, who was chef, ended up leaving the show. And there was a lot of discussion that, oh, he left because of Scientology, but that kind of isn't exactly the case. It kind of is, it kind of isn't. Isaac Hayes was actually kind of declining in health. He died not terribly long after he left the show, mm -hmm. but he wasn't really making all of his own decisions at that time. Apparently, someone else who was kind of making more of his decisions made that call to leave them, but it was because of the Scientology shit, because uh, they had this whole episode, which I think hilariously rips into Scientology, and... I really love how, you know, they put on these things they, because they make fun of Mormons. They make fun of Scientologists. They make fun of a lot of religious stuff, which I just I find hilarious mm -hmm. just from because of my own beliefs. So they had so chef just kind of left the show and it's all kind of quiet. They ended up having chef kind of come back in an episode. This was after Isaac Hayes had passed away. Ah. And it was hilarious because what they did was they took all this old recorded audio from him that from previous shows mm -hmm. and just kind of edited it together to kind of seem sound seamless, even though it wasn't. And then what kind of the came to the realization in the show was no chef was uh chef was taken and his his mind has been warped by this fruity little club is what they called it. <laughs> and they're just making fun of this fruity little club, obviously making fun of Scientology. Yeah. And just saying, you know, he was our friend and, you know, we'll love him forever, but we feel bad that this one fruity little club, you know, ruined his life. And I just, and they, they really leave nothing to the imagination when they kill off Chef and they have like all these animals tear his body apart. And, and then they say, oh, you know, they say you don't really die until you shit yourself. And then they have him <laughs> shit himself. And it's, it is so perfectly dark. I adore it. <laughs> I adore so much. 
my own personal journey with South Park is I'm not the hugest fan of, say, season one or two. I like three a lot. I think four is really where it starts taking off. Three is good, but four is really where it kind of starts taking off into some greatness. And then I would say by season 14 or 15, I had kind of needed a a little break. Mm -hmm. I've actually, I've seen every single episode of South Park, even the brand new ones, every single episode. But 14 or 15 was where I feel like the roller coaster is dipped under the quality line. Uh, are not as good. Now, granted, there's a couple episodes, of course. Every season, there's a few episodes that I fucking love, even right. past that stage. So, like, I'll, I I love the all of the, the Coon stuff um, that was a little bit later. Uh, I, lo- I mean, tons of stuff I love. But overall, I would say seasons 4 to 14 are the best in South Park, and they are just so eminently re- rewatchable for me. Okay, still some more facts for you, John, before <laughs> okay. we go into our final stuff. During South Park's earliest seasons, several high-profile celebrities uh, wanted to be guest stars. And so what Trey Parker and Matt Stone did, uh, as a joke, they offered them low-profile speaking roles, particularly early on. So George Clooney was actually in an episode in season one where he played Stan's gay dog, Sparky. Mm-hmm. And he just made like the barking noises right. <laughs> for Sparky. Let's see. Uh, Jay Leno provided uh, meows for Cartman's cat. Uh, he was, I think it was a cat in heat in, uh, in season one and Henry Winkler, who does voice, I think, uh, the Fonz in one of the episodes, but also he does the growls and grunts for a, uh, kid eating monster in season two. <laughs> and apparently Jerry Seinfeld offered to, to lend his voice to the episode, the Thanksgiving episode, Starvin Marvin, but he declined when they only offered him the role as Turkey number two. <laughs> so... <laughs> Like, I, and I think that is hilarious. Now, they let... I remember Jennifer Aniston did a voice later. A bunch of people have done voices. Not to the extent of Simpsons. Um, Simpsons kind of became a celebrity get. Like, you know, you know you made it when uh, Simpsons had you on. Right. But, yeah. And then I also kind of want to mention there's some video games. Like, this is a whole franchise, obviously. Uh, N64 had a couple different games. A South Park game, Chef's Love Shack, and uh, South Park Rally. And then I have played the two recent games, Stick of Truth and The Fractured Butthole. <laughs> I love Stick of Truth. I think Stick of Truth was phenomenal. Uh, you really just get to like go and play through South Park. Fractured Butthole was good, but not as good. It, it had some issues, and it was just way too short for me. I think Stick of Truth was their best game that they put out. There's so much more that I could talk about. And even that I want to talk about, and there's I could go over my favorite episodes, but partly I want to like I think we should save our favorite South Park episodes for a top ten. I would totally okay. do a top ten favorite South Park episodes with you. Okay. So I don't want to bring that up. I'll go ahead and get started. I've been talking this entire time. You've been pretty quiet. Actually, yeah. Is there anything else you want to bring up before we kind of go into our final thoughts? Nope. Or what, what? How did how did you get a part? You already mentioned this a little bit, but you know how were you introduced to South Park? Well, I mean, I remember when it came out. It was a big to do. Yeah. It was you know much like, and I kind of actually remember when The Simpsons came out. It was this whole thing of oh, here's this crude new uh, cartoon, and of course this you know as happens with everything like that, you know when The Simpsons came out, it was crude, and then it became topical, and then now it's beloved. Mm-hmm. Same thing kind of happened with South Park. At first, it was crude, and then it was topical, and then it was beloved, although it was still crude. Yeah. <laughs> um, same thing happened yeah. with Family Guy. Um, so yeah. you know, it's 
none none of what is happening on South Park is shocking anymore, but it's because of South Park that it's not shocking anymore. Yeah, they I think they shifted their comedy because the shock value wasn't as much of a thing, and so they turned to satire and political humor, which I think works so much better. I think that's something that's uh, that's almost impossible to maintain. Um, yeah. You can do shock value for a little while, but after a while, uh, people aren't going to respond the same way, so you got to make the shift. I think they've navigated that very well. Obviously, they're still running. Simpsons has navigated that well. They're still running. Family Guy, as far as I know, is still running. So those mm-hmm. guys have navigated the audience very, very well in those cases. True. Uh, there was a wonderful episode I just want to bring up. South South Park, they had multiple episodes. Basically, Cartman is trying to shut down Family Guy, and he hates it. And they just, <laughs> they, I, because I, he just makes fun. There's, there's these whole manatees that write South Park and all this kind of, or not South Park, that, that write Family Guy, and it's all bullshit. Because they're making fun of how South, how Family Guy's, their jokes don't make any sense, and they come from nowhere. And they kind of cut to South Park making fun of and doing like a faux Family Guy episode. And they, they I think they nail it on the head. Like <laughs> for every joke, they're like, you think that's bad? How about the time that I, and this is where the manatees would write two random things, Saddam Hussein and a bowling ball. I think that, that's the time I went bowling with Saddam Hussein. And then they do a flight. Like that is South, or that is Family Guy humor, and South Park just rips on it, and I love that. Peter! I can't believe you invited your old high school sweetheart over for dinner. You think that's bad? Remember when I auditioned to be David Hasselhoff's car? Hey there, Knight Rider. After those bad guys, Kit. But to be fair, the Family Guy humor still made me laugh too. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair, 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 fair. Uh, apparently, the guy, the writers from Simpsons, sent them like flowers and saying thank you for calling out Family Guy <laughs> when they saw that episode. <laughs> Um, and also, I think it was when when South Park had, I think it was their 200th episode. I believe the the writers from Simpsons, because the whole episode is, or maybe it was their 100th or their, or their 200th, where Professor Chaos is trying to do something evil, and he's trying to like take over South Park, and he's trying to block out the sun, or he's trying to make a coat full of from greyhounds or try to, mm-hmm. uh, and then the whole joke is Simpsons did it. Uh, <laughs> and the whole thing, because Trey Parker Mastone realized in a lot of the stuff they wanted to do, Simpsons had already done episodes <laughs> like that. And so that became like kind of a, a joke for them. And they were just like, their whole thing was up. Oh, Simpsons already did it. So we have to do something different. <laughs> and when I think it was when their 200th episode happened, the writers from South Park sent them a thing that said, hey, guys, congratulations on 200 episodes. By the way, Simpsons did it twice now already <laughs> or something like that because <laughs> Simpsons is fucking so many episodes. Right. But yeah, it's just it's a fucking awesome show. And I would say there was a period where South Park was the most intelligent show on TV. Uh, it was hidden through a not-so-thin veil of crude humor, but I think they, and it, they've proven, Trey Parker Matt Stone have proven how intelligent they are because they are taking the same kind of humor and they took over Broadway for a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they can just make some hilarious movies uh, between the South Park movie and, and Team America, and they can do whatever the fuck they want. And their music is a hilarious way to, to utilize that, so... I appreciate also their style of equal opportunity offensiveness. <laughs> like they will piss off everyone. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. And I, and I really appreciate that. That's a huge aspect to my sense of humor. And it's probably partly because of them. Um, and so I respect it. 
I, as I mentioned, I've seen every single episode, but seasons like four through 14 are my absolute favorites. And those are the ones I end up watching more than anything. But South Park will go down as probably one of my top 10, easily top 20 shows of all time. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by Alabama Mile. He's quick, he's strong, he's active. You can take Alabama man to the bowling alley where he drinks heavily and chews tobacco. Wow, he can bowl. He can bowl, he can drink, he can drink some more. Alabama Mile. When wife asks him where he's been, just use the action button and Alabama man busts her lip open. Shut up, bitch. Wow. Just like Alabama Man. Alabama Man comes with everything you see here, wife, so separately. I thought I told you to shut up. And now we are going to do the casting portion of the show. As Adam mentioned at the top, we are going to do kind of a missed casting. We are going to recast the movie Supergirl from 1984. Not a great movie. (laughs) To say the least. Uh, and there's only a few characters we really need to cast. Obviously, we're going to need a Supergirl. Uh, Selena, who was one of the bad guys. She was not a good bad guy either. Zoltar, who I think was like the kind of father figure at the beginning. Was that right? He So he was like the guy who um, saved like their city, basically. He created like that little pocket universe or yeah. whatever the heck it was um, that saved that little group of kryptonians and so he was kind of the leader of that other group yeah uh nigel who was kind of selena's like lackey is that right mm-hmm. i kind of did yep. this without actually looking up a lot of this stuff. <laughs> i really didn't want to to go back and listen it was yes it was her kind of comic relief and um yeah the the lackey and then ethan who was kind of like the the male eye candy for the movie yeah so we'll just do those five characters Adam, you mentioned something at the top that you wanted to say, and I can't remember what it was. It was that, um, so in the upcoming Flash movie, there has been a Supergirl cast. Her name is Sasha Call, or Kali, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, Um, but she is apparently has been uh, picked to play the role of Supergirl in that Flash, Flashpoint movie that's coming out. Okay. It says on her IMDb, announced Supergirl for 2023. So apparently it is in the works for a Supergirl movie to be rebooted. All right. And it's it's got the rights. The only people on IMDb are her and then the writer, who it's the writer is the same writer from the more recent Mortal Kombat movie. Well, that's unfortunate. I mean, I thought that was okay. I know you did. Yeah. And it's one of the few times I will uh, insist that you were wrong. All right. Cole, Cole was the worst part about he it. He was they, absolutely the worst part. Everything else was pretty good. <laughs> Not so much. Okay, fine. All right, let's go ahead and start with uh, Ethan, who is kind of the... He's like a construction worker. I'm kind of going based off of my memory here. He's eye candy. He's eye exactly. candy. He is eye candy. All right. So he's, uh, was, he was the same guy who played Ellis in uh, Die Hard. We'll bring that that's up right. time. That's right. Yep. Uh, all right. So I'll jump in with mine. Um, I went with a guy who... Not necessarily known for being buff, I don't think, but we've seen what Marvel can do for anyone, just to get slightly topical here. 
Uh, everyone by now should have seen the topless photo of uh, Kumail Nanjiani <laughs> yeah. after his Marvel kind of workout system. I just recently saw The Eternals, and I will spoil something for you, Adam, because I know you haven't seen it yet. I was actually very upset that at no point in the movie did Kumail actually take his shirt off. Well, yeah, what the, what's the whole point, then, of getting so buff? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you, all right, so you see his arms, like his whole arms okay. and stuff like that. But still, like, it was, to me, I was like, we, the, where was where was the shirtless pick? That, that, exactly. That, that, or the shot. That should have been in there. Anyway, swing back to mine. Uh, the guy I picked, not necessarily known for his physique, but that is an easy fix. I think he's charming enough to play this kind of part. And so somehow I just realized now that I went with all European actors except for one. Okay. Mostly British, including this guy. I went with John Boyega. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I don't dislike that call of John Boyega there. Not at all. I mean, all he's got to do is act drunk and look pretty. That's it. <laughs> was the guy drunk in the in the movie? Or he was what he was mind controlled. There was that time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, like exactly. That. He was mind controlled. Yep. Yeah. No, I think and he I think he could probably pretty easily go get buff. Yeah. Um, as needed. So yeah. No, I, I'm totally cool with that call. So, uh, my guy. I went with someone who uh, not as big of a name. As John Boyega, but he's definitely probably had some heart throbby aspects to him, and that's what one of the main things with this construction heart throbby person. Uh, you need Supergirl to kind of see him and fall in love immediately, and uh, that I think is possible. This guy was in the Twilight series for I think two of the movies, and we would recognize him best from Days of Future Past, past when he played Warpath. But he's a good-looking dude, and I think he would looks good without a shirt on. I'm with Boo Boo Stewart as my Ethan. First of all, that's a fantastic name. Yeah. I love that name. I think he could be kind of like have some small, even like his IMDb picture, very smoldering kind of style. I think uh, I think he could be the. Ah, okay. I did like his Warpath. It was not a character yeah. I was, I'm familiar with, but I liked, uh, I just kind of liked how they used him. Yes. I mean, he died off pretty quick and I kind of wanted more of him, but he looked good in the role. Yeah. I can totally see that too. I think that's a probably a smarter call, actually. Okay. Than mine. Cool. All right. Let's go on to Nigel. <laughs> uh, this one had to be overtly British, or at least in my opinion, I thought he did. For you, okay, fine for you. Right, yes. so I what, probably might change the name. Oh well, then let, tell me what yours was. Yeah, I, I I was just immediately thinking of who are some funny sidekick guys, mm -hmm. and so you know, keep some of the humor, but also be better. Then uh, it was it was Peter Cook, the impressive clergyman right. who played Nigel in the movie. Mowage. Um, and he he was fine, but he wasn't. I mean, the whole movie was bad, and we know this. Uh, <laughs> so I was trying to think of more recent comedic people on the side who could help the film, but he's also a solid ass actor. But yeah, I really like the comedy that he brings in the Ant Man series. I'm with Michael Pena as my Nigel, so I took away the British mm -hmm. aspect, and I just think he is a good. Funny side character. You're, I mean, you're absolutely right on that. Yeah. Okay. There's, you know, I can't argue with that. Michael Pena is a really good actor, and as a as a comedic side guy, he's one of the best. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to hard to just dispute that one. Yeah. Uh, I did go uh, full Brit. Um, I didn't want to go with uh, someone who was too young. I didn't want to go mm -hmm. with someone who was well. I shouldn't say too well known because I went with a lot of people who were pretty well known actually in this cast. Uh, in fact, I would say everyone I 
in this cast I went with uh, was very well known. Um, but this guy uh, is actually most known for playing an American doctor, but he is very British. I went with Hugh Laurie. Oh, interesting. And he has done a lot of comedy, like on particularly like the British side of shows. I mean, most people see him as house and it's not comedy, but he's done tons of well, comedy. Well, like his, he was bo- he's most known in Britain for being the comedy partner of Stephen Fry. Yeah, exactly. And doing sort of ridiculous comedy things. So I, we know that he can do all that. So I, yep. I'm, yeah, I, you know, let's have him play the over overly comedic British mm-hmm. sidekick. I'm fine with that. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's a really cool call. I, I very much appreciate that one. That's a good one. Uh, all right. Zoltar. <laughs> all right. I'll go ahead and say my Zoltar. Zoltar. It's kind of a short role. I think we only really see him in the beginning, don't we? Yeah, mostly. I think he, he might pop up a couple in like times, flashbacks or something. Minimal. It's pretty minimal. But I wanted a commanding presence. Again, I I don't remember if Zoltar in the movie had a British accent, but I want to say he did. I went with a Brit anyway, and he's one of the best. He's getting up there in age, so I want to put him in as many things as I can before we maybe lose him. I don't know when. I went with Ian McKellen. I mean, yeah, we Peter O'Toole was the uh, the old Zoltar, right. and you need presence. Yeah, and Ian McKellen has got presence. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I no, I mean I think that's a, that's a pretty good one to one ratio, and I, I actually like that even. I think it's really good. Okay, really good call. Right, Who did you go with? So, another guy who's getting up there in years, and he's got presence. And when you think of someone who can like lead a group of people, um, definitely, I love that Ian McKellen call. I think that's absolutely fantastic. I think this person fits right along that way. Other than he's American and not British, mm-hmm. I went with Morgan Freeman. He <laughs> yeah. absolutely see him Shit. as presence. <laughs> I mean. You can't deny that one no. either. Yeah, it's kind of not fair because it's Morgan Freeman. Yeah, you could have cast him as Supergirl, and I've been like, oh yeah. You know what? I'd see that movie. Exactly. He's that good. He's that good. Yeah, two powerhouse guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Selena. That's, what do you want to say about Selena? Not much. Faye Dunaway is a decent actress. She is trash in this <laughs> movie. She, I think. I think she. She was drunk. She had to be drunk <laughs> while she was doing it. You say, Faye Dunaway is a fantastic actress, except in this. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Uh, all right, who did you go with uh, for your Selena? Now, for my Selena, I don't want the way that Faye Dunaway played it. Like, it, a very, it, was, a, it was a comical, just, I don't know, it was cheesy. And I, de- I never felt all that frightened by, by her Selena. And maybe it's also, you know, it didn't help that Nigel was... You know, just kind of goofy ball at the side, but I think Michael Pena can. You know, he could. I'd like to see him play kind of an evil role on the side character. But when it comes to female villains, you don't get better than Lena Headey, and so I went with Lena Headey. Oh shit! Yeah, she she plays a great evil woman. Yeah, she. I mean, you just game of thrones obviously is the big one right but john and i both love her in dread oh, and yeah. love dread in general God, she, and yeah she might frighten me more in dread than she actually did <laughs> yeah. in game of thrones fair uh and so i think she um she would just take it and she would kill it uh all right so i went with an actress who's played a lot of different things she's played serious she's played comedic she has played sort of a comedic evil lady 
But I wouldn't want to. I I would want to take this one just a little bit more serious. You know, there has to be real stakes in a superhero movie mm-hmm. for you to feel it. And there can be comedy, but that can happen in other places. Um, but she's just one of our. And this was my one American actually. Uh, she's one of our. I would. I would say one of our premier actresses. She's been in a whole bunch of stuff. She was in uh, Magnolia and Boogie Nights. I went with Julianne Moore. Oh yeah. I absolutely could see that. I think she is a was a great call. Okay, yeah. I think she's a, a she's a good actress. She's done she's done all kinds of different stuff. She's just I think she's just, anytime she's on screen, I think it's fun. It's fun to watch her act. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't even have to be something overtly comedic. I think she's just a fun actress to watch. She's really strong in everything I've seen her. Honestly, I've never once been like, "Wow, you're great in everything but this." It's like, no, you. Wow, you really phoned that one in, Julian. <laughs> yeah, you Faye Dunaway that one, didn't you? Uh, no, I'm gonna start using She's that really... as a verb for <laughs> an actress it. who phones it in. Yeah, <laughs> Faye Dunaway in that. Uh, all right, well, we got to our our big uh, our big girl, Supergirl. Mm-hmm. I think I went with an okay choice. I'm not 100 percent on it. Supergirl, is, I don't know, it was kind of one of those weird things where I wasn't sure. So I just decided to go with a strong actress, and hopefully that will work no matter what. Okay. Um, I went with an Irish actress, so she'll probably have to do an American accent. Uh, I went with Saoirse Ronan. Oh, interesting. Yeah, she's very attractive. I could totally see her with kind of like a stoic uh, superhero Quality well, you know, she did Hannah, and that was kind of like an actiony film. Forgot about that one. That's I think it's a strong call. Okay, absolutely. I've got two actresses that I'm going to mention. Uh, one is the one I think Hollywood would do better if they chose this one, and then I'm choosing one who I think I want more. Okay. I'll start with the one who I think I want more. I haven't seen much of her acting ability, but she has been on the most recent Power Rangers. Show, not the movie, but the show. Okay. And she uh, has a look that I fit think fits really, really well. Um, her name is Jacqueline Sislowski. But I kinda I kinda looked through her her Power Rangers kind of look and I'm just like, okay, yep, you have got you've yeah, got a look. She looks like a supergirl. She she looks like a supergirl. Probably not far off from Melissa Benoist. Right. Uh in her in her look. Uh, she actually was in even in Man of Man of Steel as Student was her character's <laughs> name. But yeah, she she actually probably has more of like that Melissa Benoist style look to her. But yeah, so that's what I think would be kind of the look that I want. But I went with another kind of fairly young actress who I think has proven herself with some action films recently that I liked. And she's a bigger name. And so I think that's a better help for what Hollywood would probably want to cast. Okay, I enjoyed... The Black Widow movie, I thought it was actually pretty enjoyable. It wasn't amazing by any means. Right. But I particularly liked Florence Pugh uh, as Yelena Belova mm-hmm. in Black Black Widow. So I think she could be a pretty solid-ass Supergirl. I actually also did look at Florence Pugh and consider okay. her. So I think that's a solid call, especially with uh, the success of Black Widow and some of the other stuff she's been doing. I think she would totally uh, knock out uh, a Supergirl yep. role. I agree with that. Yep. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right, and that was our recasting of the 1984 film Supergirl. 
please join us next time for my birthday episode. That's right. This next episode drops on my birthday. And so I got to pick the album we are talking about. And we are going to discuss the new metal album by Seven Dust, Animosity. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. everybody i'm Corey, and i'm zach and we're the hosts of podcasting after dark a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s often found on hbo and cinemax you know the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid you can find us every other week on apple podcasts spotify podbean and stitcher this is what you want this is what you get